And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book, written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loosen the seals thereof? No man in heaven, no man in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And John said, I wept much, because no man, emphasis there, was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. I'm excited because I know what's coming next. And one of the elders saith to me, weep not. Behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I looked, John said, and behold, lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits and God, it's, uh, of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the hand of him that sat upon the throne. You may be seated. Father, what a joy it is. It's already been said to be in the house of the Lord, to have the word of God, the spirit of God, to be among the people of God that sing the songs of praise to you. How thankful, God, just like we sung, that we're no longer in Egypt, no longer under the thumb of Satan, but dear God, we've been delivered by the power of the blood, by, by the fact that a lamb died and rose three days after that he did. We're thankful for that. Pray tonight, God, that you'd stir this old preacher, this old lump of clay's mind and heart, loosen his tongue and give me, Lord, that which a preacher cannot function without of. And like Vance Havner said, that's unction. God, just be as near your people as the need may be. Bless us here so that when we leave, we can say, my, it's been a good place to be and whatever's accomplished, we'll praise you and glorify because we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm not going to reread any verse out of that passage again because I'm going to read it as I make my way down through it trying to preach a little bit out of it. But this is what I want us to think about. It's pretty obvious, I imagine, what I'm going to preach about. But I want you to think with me about the lion and the lamb. The lion and the lamb. Now, I've preached through this passage before. If I've done it here, just act like it's the first time you've ever heard it, and in many ways it will be. But, but look, friend, as we come to this scene, as we come to this place in the revelation that God gave to his son, it's not the revelation of John, it's the revelation that God gave to his son, and I'm glad that he gave it to me and you tonight. I'm glad that it was, in, it, it was written, recorded by a holy man of God, glad that it was inspired by the Spirit of God, and I'm glad God preserved it for us today perfect and purely and completely happy about that. But when we come uh, to this scene, we got to be reminded that um, it follows, it follows the introduction to the book of Revelation, the things that are, the things that have been, the things that are were the things that happened in chapter 1 to John on the Isle of Patmos, the things that, um, the things that, uh, I have been are that. The things that are are the seven churches of Asia Minor and the letters that were addressed to each one of them individually that were a picture of the seven phases or stages of the church age from Pentecost to Ephesus to rapture 
at what I'm going to say at the transition point somewhere between the church of Philadelphia and also the Laodiceans. Hey, listen, friend, when we step out of that chapter, you know where we step into? Thank God. Listen, John the Baptist on the Isle of Patmos heard a voice, saw a door open, and immediately was transferred into heaven. And we find ourselves in chapter 4 in the throne room. Get ready for this. I See, look, I'm happy. I hope y'all get that way too. You know where John got transported to? He got transported to the place where the Ancient of Days sits, where the King of Kings rules and reigns forever. And when the angels, those strange seraphims or cherubims, constantly cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, those four beasts, each of them had the face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. And the reason they look like that, they spent, oh, see, they spent so much time in the presence of Jesus. They took on his image. Can I tell you, that's what we ought to see. Glory to God. We ought to spend so much time with him that we take on his image. Amen. Got a lot to preach, a little time to do it in and Really, y'all don't like this when I say this, but I know me more than I, you do. Little sense to preach it with. <laughs> Amen. But I like trying. I, I love trying. I really, really do. And let me tell you what we find here in chapter 4 and 5. We find the uh, uh, endless praise that is lifted up in chapter 4. Well, look in, in verses 10 and 11 uh, for the fact that God is creator. We find the endless praise being lifted up in chapter uh, 5. Let's begin looking at, at verse 9 down to verse 12 uh, because uh, Jesus is redeemer. I'm glad he's both, aren't you? Hey, can I tell you the truth? I feel real sorry for people that don't know God created this world, that don't know in the beginning God created male and female. I mean that. I feel sorry for them. Listen, if they did, they wouldn't be in the mess that they're in tonight if they just simply believe the Word of God. Oh, I'd have had more help on that than what I got. We, Hey, listen, friend, that's true. All this madness about gender identity, gender dysphoria. And I knew about that before they started to make my, my counseling degree, demanded that I learned about that, talking about, uh, about uh, uh, sexual orientation. Y'all know where the idea of orient came or orientation came from? It's when maybe Columbus was going to the Orient. I, I can't get it all together, something maybe about a compass. But hey, friend, I'll tell you, if people just read and believed the Word of God, they'd find that there's two sexes and two sexes only, male and female. They'd just trust that. All their problems would cease. Now, they may have problems, but they'd have a base to work on and work from to get those things taken care of. But there's a lot of praise going on into heaven. And friend, we find in chapter 4, us doing some of it in those 4 and 20 elders we find there. We're going to lay our crowns at his feet. And we're going to get on our knees. And we're going to give him glory and honor and praise. But I want to focus really quickly on chapter 5. Look, friend, look. Look at what, it, look what we're introduced to. Now look. As we think about this lamb and this lion, they speak of two different things. They look, this lamb and the lion, they're not comp contradictory one to another, but they're complementary one of another. Let me say that again. I didn't say it clearly enough. 
this lamb and this lion aspect of our Lord and Jesus Christ that we see presented here in chapter 5, they do not contradict each other. They're not contradictory, but they are complementary, the one or the other. And let me put forth to you this idea. You cannot have one without the other. Oh, you all are quiet. Is this thing on? Let me try y'all over here. I'll be over there to you in a minute. Do y'all trust me? Okay, get ready to say amen when I say something, right? When I get done, you'll know it, and that's when you step up and say amen. The one of these two, the lamb and the lion, demands the other. Y'all going to graduate tonight. Y'all may be in trouble. Y'all got, really, y'all were louder than they were, but I want to I make them feel good. Are y'all ready? I'm going to say something to you when I get done. It gives you the opportunity to say amen. I need your help. This lamb and the lion, look, friend, the one necessitates the other. Amen. Well, they, they got an A plus. Y'all got an A. They got an A plus. And I'm glad for that. We must listen. We he must be both in order to be either. Are y'all going to help me preach this or aren't you? I'd hate to have to send you home with a note tonight, you hear me? Let me try that again. My Lord, folks, I worked hard on this. Do you hear me? This is the Word of God. Y'all don't pay me enough not to get... No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding. Where was I? See, I lost my place in my nose. He must be both in order to be either. Thank you. That's the way we do it here. And beside that, when y'all get in it with me and amen and we laugh, y'all feel better. If you just sit back there like this. Yeah, I heard you say that before. Yeah, it's good, but it don't move me tonight. Y'all don't, it's no good for you. You hear me? It's no good when you do that. Gee, man, y'all wore me out and I'm not even halfway started. Oh. Now they do, they do speak obviously of two different comings of Christ. And we know that. We know he came the first time as the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. And we know he's coming the next time to rule and reign as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But we must and we do have both of these aspects of the nature of Christ in order to have what Christ is able to bring us and to give us. So look, let's first of all look at a book. I've got to find me something to blow my nose on. I see some used ones, but I'd rather have a new one. Forgot to put one in my pocket. I'm sorry. But look at verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now, believe it or not, more than the one sitting on the throne, the book is what demands our attention. The one sitting on the throne got our attention in chapter 4. So we introduced to him in a lot of ways as John described the throne and he who sat upon it and what he looked like, a sardine and a, and a jasper stone. We saw the rainbow around him. We saw those that uh, give him praise and glory. But here, the book that he holds in his hand is the main focus 
of this passage right here. I believe it was God the Father that held the book. And you'll say, what was that book? Well, it is my belief as well as many other beliefs that it is the title deed of planet Earth. I believe it is the title deed that actually Adam, the first, uh, the first man, the first Adam lost when he sinned in the garden. And I believe it's the book that the last Adam, the, the last the second man to the last Adam uh, regained uh, through his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and his ongoing rule and reign. Believe that thought in my heart, but wait just a minute. I believe there's more to that book than that in, in some ways. When you begin to look at this, you know what else I believe it could be? And I believe that maybe is. I believe it could be. I believe it could be, friend, the history. Now listen to this phrase. It's not mine. The history of the future. This is just the beginning of the revelation. And out of this seven-sealed book, there comes six seals, seven seals, right? Seven, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vows. All that is yet to be in the future in God's plan is unfolded when this book changes hands from the Father to the Son. And in chapter 6, he begins to break the seals. And that thing, that future that is written as a history, which only God can do, begins to unfold. See right there, that's really good. And y'all have never heard that before. I'll just about guarantee you've never heard that before. But that's a pretty thought. I love it. Man, I, I love the Word of God. Isn't it amazing how you can read it and read it and read it and then get in it and read it? It's like you read it the first time. So we have that book, the title deed, history of the future, if you'll allow me to say it that way. And, and, and I, I dug this out when I was studying today. I, I had it before, but I'm getting sold. I, I, I forget too many precious things. Do you all know Roman law required... A, a will and testimony to be sealed with seven seals. Isn't that pretty? Do y'all know that Jesus Christ wrote his own will? I believe he wrote it with his blood. And listen to this a will is only in force after a man is dead, right? Well, can I tell you what? Jesus is the only man that wrote his will, signed his will, died to get his will enacted, and then came out from among the dead in order to execute his will. I say glory. Hallelujah. Man, that's good stuff. Chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews, I believe it is. Nobody else is able to do that but Christ himself. The man, listen now. That was more than a man. Look in verse 2. I got to hurry. He said, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Here we have in this verse a question. A question was asked about the book that was held in the hand of him that sat upon the throne. And look in verse 3, it says, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. You know what happened? Not only is a question asked, but a search was made. And wait just a minute. The answer comes back. Hey, we've looked, we've searched high and low. We've got good news and bad news. 
bad news is we've looked everywhere. The good news is no man was found worthy. Hey, it takes more than a man, friend, to do for me and you what we needed done as sinners needing to be saved by grace. Listen, how many of you, now just pay real close attention. I know y'all love me, but nobody ought to raise their hand on this. How many of y'all would trust me to be your Savior? I got news for you, dear one. I wouldn't trust myself to be my Savior. I'd be as lost as you would be trying to be your Savior. See, y'all getting pretty high and mighty there for a minute when you were talking about me, but when we get thinking about you, it changes things. Hey, look, that's good news. That's not bad news. Hey, and I used to wonder about that, but I know it's deeper than that. I know there's more to it. But I'm going to tell you what, friend, I'll say it again. Jesus was more than a man because he was God-man, because he was God manifest in the flesh. And I say glory about that. So look at John's and a response. And he said, I wept much. Can I, can I submit just as a... Just as a total side, it doesn't belong in this message at all. We're getting to go in a revival, are we not? You know what I'm afraid? Not just in revival time, but just about most of the time, the church doesn't weep nearly enough. See, they got it good that time. Y'all failed on that one. I just, I just don't have time to fool with you. We, we don't weep like... You know what? As I was listening to David Barton, Steve said he's been following reading from his stuff for years. I wish I'd have knew about him. I, I, I was weeping inside. I absolutely wanted, and I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't want to interrupt him. I mean, he was just spouting it out just like a machine gun. I wanted to go to altar and repent uh, for my poor piddly life standing for God in this day in the air doing no more than what I've done for him. I'm telling you folks, listen, we ought to weep. God knows we've got enough to weep about. If y'all agree with that, say amen. But there was a response. Look at verse 4, a response. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book, uh, to read the book, neither to look therein. But wait just a minute. I'm glad that the message doesn't stop there. Look at verse 5. We have a word that was heard, and the word was from one of the elders, which says, Weep not, John. I say glory, hallelujah. You ladies ever wonder why your man, when you start crying, almost immediately says, Oh, honey, don't cry. How many of you women, whether you're married or not, have ever had... A man that's either your daddy, your boyfriend, or somebody close to you, inevitably, when you cry, say, oh, 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 don't cry. How many, how many ladies have you ever heard that? Raise your hand, I want to see. Keep them up. I'm, I'm scanning the audience. Do you all know why? Anybody? Do you all know there is something chemically within us that when you all begin to cry, it turns on something in us? And we just don't know how to we don't know how to handle it. I mean, it's pretty amazing when I learned. I said, "You got to be kidding!" And that person, to were educated, said, "No." And I'm beginning to think well, they probably don't kid much at all now that I think about it. That's pretty amazing to me. I mean, we we just we just can't help it. Now we want to help you, but we can't we can't help. We just automatically say, "Don't don't cry," because it affects us some way. We're not cognizant of it. We're not aware of it. There's just strange thing goes in this. On in his body when a man meets a woman. Y'all know that. Don't you? 
And I mean that too. I'm not coming here to be scientific or biologic, but y'all know there's little things runs around in our bodies called endorphins? And uh, there's another thing, I can't, I can't think of the name of it. Lord, I wish I could, but they make you do strange things. If you're a little boy, you'll buy your girlfriend the biggest, was it about that big, Debbie? Was it about that big? Was it? Was it? Is that about right? The biggest pink bunny rabbit on Easter you ever saw in your life. Ah. See, the idea of a boy is the bigger the better, right? Men, help me. You don't just get a Valentine card. You get a big Valentine card, right? You don't just buy a diamond you can afford. You buy a big diamond, right? Go into debt the rest of you. God help me. You get tired, you get silly, I guess. I don't know. The word was, weep not, John. I'm glad it was proclaimed. You say, why? Well, there's a reason given. And here it is. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, get the verbiage, has prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals. I say glory to God. He hath prevailed. Now look, this is just not any lion. Y'all know the only thing that a lion is scared of? I'm going to educate you here. A bigger lion. That's right. Now Satan is as a lion. Walking about uh, seeking whom he may devour. But we, see, I'm, I'm, I'm about to flat foot this pulpit on this. We serve the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. And we have nothing to fear because, nothing to fear because of him. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let's do a little bit of finger work. Genesis chapter 49. Y'all getting too tired and lazy. You need to work off that nap and that double piece of pie that you ate today. Chapter 49 of the book of, of Genesis. I know you know this passage. If you don't, you should. But I want to read you verse 9 and 10. When, when Jacob, and I'm about to get done with this. When Jacob was blessing his sons right before he died, he turned to Judah, his fourth son. Reuben should have got the double portion. Reuben should have in reality got this blessing. But in light of what Jacob's sons were not, and because of what Judah, and he wasn't perfect, he just had a conversion. He was as honorary as the rest of them in the beginning, but he grew up. He began to get it, and God get it, and God worked with him, and he got a great blessing. And what he said in verse, verse 9, and, well, let me get verse 8, 9, and 10, because we're almost done, honestly. Judah, thou art he whom thy brother shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. And the prey, uh, from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? If that's not clear enough, look, he said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, till Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. I say glory to God. And he's not only the line of the tribe of Judah. Stop off in 2 Kings chapter 7 as we head back over to the Revelation. 
I'm going to pick up a couple verses there. He's the seed of David, or as Isaiah, what is it, 11 said, 2 Samuel chapter 7, he is the root of David. I want to read verse, pick it up, I don't know, in verse, verse 12, and this has to do with the Davidic covenant. And he said, when thy days, God told David, shall be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed, singular, not plural. After thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. I will establish the, uh, the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be uh, his father. He shall be my son. I'm glad for that. Hey, John, no need to cry anymore because we found the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. <laughs> and you know where we found him? I'm not looking, I'm getting back there. In the midst, in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four and twin. Uh, 20 elders, isn't that who it was? He prevailed to open the book. You know what that means, friend? You know what that means? It means simply that he conquered. He had both the majesty, the dignity, the courage, the strength, and the ability to rule and to reign. I'm not talking about a Johnny come lately. Again, I've done said it. I make no apologies for repeating. I'm talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. David's son, David's greater son. If you want to look this up, Matthew 22, 41 through 46. You look at that little bit of a riddle, how precious it is. It was a confident declaration that was made. Listen to what he said. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. Isn't that good news? Is anybody in here tonight alive? Well, now wait, don't laugh too much. There's a couple I think may be near that. And that's not a slam. Do y'all remember when they, it, was, it wasn't D-Day, what, Victory Day, what, when, when did they announce victory after World War II? Anybody remember? What was it, Avery? 19 when? No, that was World War I, right? You remember on World War II? When was it? What year? 44? Victory over in World War II. How many? Alex? All right. It's a common consensus in tonight. They declared victory sometime in the middle 40s. If you were born before 1942, raise your hand. Raise your hand, Mom. You're, you're older than that, girlfriend. All right. Do y'all remember that day? Do y'all remember when they said war's over? Victory 
You know what that means? Somebody prevailed over the enemy. Are you getting this? Listen, this line of the tribe of Judah had prevailed over death, hell, and the grave in light of the fact that it was also the Lamb of God. Y'all stay with me and I'll teach you something. Hath prevailed. It's a done deal. I'm not good in English. Everybody say amen. Got you on that one, didn't I? I do know this. When you put an ED on a verb, it means it's already come and went. It's a done deal. Listen, friend, this word is so precise. It is so wonderful. It is so absolutely amazing. A confident declaration was made that, that the lion had prevailed. And you say, how did he prevail? Here it is, and I'm done. Now, if I'd have been John, I've said this before. I love emphasizing it because it ought to be. If I'd have been John, and I'd have heard somebody don't weep, and it caused me not to weep because I heard him say, there is a lion found. He's of the tribe of Judah. He's of the offspring of, of David. He's of the Davidic line of the tribe of Judah. Y'all know what? I've been wiping tears away too, wouldn't you? But here's what I would have expected. What would you have expected to see when you opened your eyes, cleared those tears away, if a somebody special said, hey, quit crying and look, I saw a lion, or a lion. What would you have expected to see? But what did he see? A lamb. Listen, a lamb and a lion are the two aspects of Christ. They are not contradictory, but they are complementary. You cannot have the one without having the other. How many of y'all already heard me say that in this message? Say amen. See, I just would, y'all didn't believe me a while ago. I, I had to teach you a lesson a while ago. Y'all know I'm just pulling at your leg, right? There's a reason. Listen now. He said, the, the, see, this is shouting ground. He said, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders. You know what that speaks to me? That speaks of nothing less, nothing more than the preeminence of Christ. He is in the midst. Y'all know this morning when I preached on Christ needs to be a, uh, the center of the church, and I'm glad we have a Christ-centered church. Y'all remember that? Christ has always been in the midst. You know where I believe, you know where I believe God walked with Adam and Eve right between of them. Right between of them. Listen to that. Right between them. I believe he took one by one hand, the other by the other hand, and I believe they strolled through the garden before they sinned. I believe that. That's just the way I pictured it in my mind. Maybe they locked arms and elbows. Maybe he put his arms around them. Now look, I know God doesn't have a body, but I'll tell you what, in a spirit, he can do a lot of things to where me and you know where he's at and where he's touching us. Just... Just give me some leeway to use my imagination just a little bit. Where did he want to be when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt? What did he tell Moses and Aaron to build? A tabernacle. Why? So he could dwell in it. And where was the tabernacle located? Right in the center of the camp of the nation of Israel. Right? Where did he tell David to tell Solomon, his son, to build the temple where he could come and dwell among his people. Right in the center of the earth. 
Three holy places Israel believes in the world. The nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, and the holiest of holies. And God came. Look, that's where he wants to be. Where does God come to take his abode up in your or my life? Where is it at? Not in our head, not in our feet, but in our heart, in our midst. Boy, I tell you, there, there are just so many good things in this. And he said, there stood a lamb. Now, now watch that. It goes on to say, there stood a lamb as it had been slain. You know what that's a picture of here? Of the resurrected Christ. I believe when he was standing there, you could see the nail prints in his saying, It wasn't a lamb. It wasn't a lion. It was the same man. But the characteristics of him, the power of him, the work of him, what he came to do, those aspects stood out from him and his character and his, and his personality. They were obvious that he was a lion. It was obvious that he was a lamb that had been slain. We'll know him not by the scars. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. But by the prints in his hands. They're not healed up, sir, ma'am. They'll never be healed up. According to the book of Zechariah, they'll ask him, what are, the, what are those prints in thine hands? He'll say, these are the wounds that I received in the house of my friend. They'll be there for eternity. You say, you're dragging us out. No, I'm emphasizing something that needs emphasized. You say, look, friend, why was he, why was he slain? He was slain for me. He was slain for you, for my redemption, for your redemption, for our salvation. I wrote down a little note. I don't know who I got it off of, but I borrowed it. It says, in order for him to be a ruler, he must redeem. In order for him to be sovereign, he must be a savior. That is good. I wish I'd have written that. Come on, Judy. We've got a right to rejoice. You say, why? Because of the right for the lamb to rule came from the lamb's choice to die. And we ought to say glory about that. The Messiah in all the power and the wisdom, his omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence hath prevailed, overcome, and allowed him to conquer. As I've already told you, death, hell, and the grave. And you know what he did in doing that? He brought death to death. Death has invaded our ranks, hasn't it, here at Roxalana? I'll stand before two families by the grace of God tomorrow. And in essence, I'll be standing between the living and the dead, whether it be at the cemetery at Boone Memorial Park or the chapel at Hanley Funeral Home tomorrow afternoon, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And that's a weight that I cannot describe. I don't know if all preachers feel the weight of it that I do, but it just absolutely all but breaks me sometimes. But I don't do it on my own. I don't have to, and I never try. But it's an awesome place to stand. But I've got hope for them. Thank God. Listen, I know somebody that brought death to death by dying. Now, that's a great mystery. You go home and ferret that out to where you can explain it to, to, to first graders, and you'll be doing something amazing. And you can, by the way. The gospel's simple. But all oh, look. Here's the results of it in verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the hand 
of him that sat upon the throne. You know what that resulted in? I'm going to read them and then I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make a comment on them. The result was a mighty rejoicing. Listen to me. We may not go out of here lifting our voices up, raising our hands, although I think we absolutely should. But I have failed to speak clearly and to do my part as your pastor to try to feed you tonight. If in your heart you don't leave out of here tonight rejoicing that you're saved and on your way to heaven because of the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Listen to what they said, verses 9, 10, and 11, and 12. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors, which are prayers of the saints. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made unto us our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them were ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And y'all know what I say tonight for the Lamb and the Lion? Bless His holy name. Every head bowed, nobody looking around. Is there somebody at all in this place if you die tonight, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven. If that identifies you, describes you, I beg of you in light of what I have preached, that doesn't need, me, need to be your story. Doesn't need to be your reality. You can exchange that for a truth that will sustain you now and for eternity if you just seek Christ and trust Him as your Savior. And if you 